It was one of the more enjoyable Hawkeye football wins in a long time. 22-0 over Rutgers. We rewatched that. Also take a look at the women's basketball team. A big win. A new number one in the country for the first time. The Hawkeye women could be that today. Locked on Hawkeyes. You are Locked on Hawkeyes. Your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Trent Condon, and this is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen every day. We're available wherever you get podcasts. You can also Find us on YouTube. While you're there, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. Well, we got a busy one here today. We're going to take a look back at the win against Rutgers. Dig a little bit deeper below the surface to see what we can unearth. That is normally what we do on Mondays coming off a of game week on football. Instant reaction over the weekend. And then the Monday show is what you have as we look at it again and get a second pair of eyes on the football game. We'll break down the numbers also from Pro Football Focus. Always love to dig in a little bit deeper, and and they were a fun one, definitely. And then we got to talk about what else is going on with Hawkeye Sports. We'll get into that in the third segment today, talk about the possibility of the Iowa women's basketball team becoming the number one ranked team in the country. LSU falling earlier this week to Colorado. UConn goes down on Sunday, so we will get into that a little bit. Men's basketball with a big week in front of them. Certainly on Tuesday as they'll make their way to Creighton. We'll preview that one also coming up later on the week. We got that NCAA tournament for the field hockey and the women's soccer team. So tons going on. We will keep you covered here on Lockdown Hawkeyes. But first, let's talk some football and take a look back at uh, a few of the maybe notes and nuggets that we didn't get to in the instant reaction. Either things that I just didn't get into, didn't have enough time, or hit the cutting room floor, if you will. I think some important parts. And you know, going back after watching the game live and reacting in that fashion, you you pick up on uh, quite a few different things. Uh, a few of the things from the notes is, first of all, what we saw out of this fan base. And... Now, the false starts that were there, the crowd was into it right away. You could see that. And we continue to see this in this Hawkeye fan base and really what it's been over the last two weeks, going back to two weeks ago against Northwestern in Wrigley Field, a historic opportunity. What, 75, 80% of the fans that were in the building that day or up in the rooftops like myself, they're Hawkeye fans. And that would have been the case regardless, but it was a different vibe in Chicago. It was a vibe of, it felt like a bowl game. It had the feeling of, we're all in this together, right? We're all Hawkeye fans, and we argue, right? We see things differently from Brian Ferentz, Kirk Ferentz, offensive play call, philosophy. But ultimately, we're all Hawkeyes. And with the removal of Brian Ferentz, when that went down, it sucked for the program. It sucked for Kirk Ferentz. Certainly has to be terrible for Brian. And he saw Brian wearing a all-black hoodie on Saturday. Something significant about that? Interesting, at the very least. No Hawkeye emblem on that sweatshirt. But that aside. But as the fan base, we ripped the Band-Aid off. And, and because I know for a lot of people, there was this sinking feeling that no matter how bad the offense was going to be, 
if they were successful, if they win the division, if they win 10 games, that was going to give justification for Kirk Ferentz to bring his son back for another year. And we know he's just not good enough in the role. Saturday, great call game. I, I thought he was excellent. One of his certainly top 10 called games of his career. That helps when the quarterback's on time and you're making plays, but we'll get to that. But going back again to Chicago and now being back in Kinnick Stadium for the first time, it it felt like the fan base now it didn't have to rally around getting rid of Brian, right? We can just rally around being Hawkeyes. We can just rally around being the the fans that go out there and just root for their team. It, the negativity is still going to be there. There were a few boo birds that came out at different times during the first half and even in the third quarter of the game, but but that's removed. And I think for a fan base, that was helpful. That was something that was incredibly important. A couple other things uh, re-watching the game want to get to. I didn't mention much outside of a, a cursory glance of Addison Ortega and what he was able to do. Estranga goes out there. All right, eight catches. That's great. Eight catches and eight targets. That shows you that him and Deacon Hill were on the same page. The throws were on the money. And there were some difficult catches in there. I mean, they were just not little you know, four-yard out patterns that he was running or coming off a waggle, and he's wide open and nobody's around him. There was one across the middle that was incredibly difficult. A couple of times that coverage was all over him, and he was able to make the play. And we were wondering what the future is going to look like at the tight end position. We anticipated it was going to be a Stranga, but it, he definitely showed out in a big-time way and want to give credit to him. Um, a couple other things. you know, The screen game obviously worked a couple of times to wide receivers. Uh, we saw Nico Ragini have one, also had a drop on a screen pass to him. Of course, the touchdown to Brown, which was just so great to see Caleb Brown get into the end zone and, and I guess, exercise some demons, if you will, and getting in there. You could just see a young man that has been putting in the work, putting in the time, and great to see it come to fruition. 60 snaps in the game. Now, this is not just going out there and they're running a few gadget things for him. No, he was a huge part of the game plan. That's good. Let's continue that. Keep doing that, Brian. Keep going to that guy. Number three, he's a talented dude. Let's continue to have him out there in a role. But the screen plays to the running backs, this has been something for a long time. Yeah, they've hit on a few of them, but but why are they so difficult? Why is it that Iowa just feels like our screen passes to our running backs are so tough? There were two that were just absolutely just haggard, just hideous-looking plays. And uh, one, I believe it was Jazz, uh, yeah, Jazzion Patterson, he got... Uh, tripped up by his offensive line in the middle of the field. It just, for whatever reason, th those screen plays just, they don't look as pretty as you see a lot of other places. Let's see what else we got uh, going through this one. Uh, and a half situation again, just clock management. I think everybody remembers, obviously, the interception that if that defensive back for Rutgers would have kept his feet, easily could have been a pick six. Thank goodness it didn't and would have changed the complexion of the game. But before that, so they get the football. Normally, up 3 nothing. You think Kirk's just going to put a knee on it to go into the locker room. Doesn't. They come out chucking, and they move the ball down the field. But on the second pass play, they go up to Flipper's kid, Seth Anderson, up the left sideline, and he comes down with it, but he's just inbounds. I mean, he was right on the line. They call him inbounds. So they wasted almost 20 seconds trying to get up there and get the next play going. Now, they had an opportunity again, but those are those things. Just that clock management. You have two timeouts left you got to utilize it better. And ultimately, Iowa doesn't get points out of that one. So a few notes there. Let's see what else. Uh, another thing you got to bring up is the zero penalties. 
For the second time this year, this Iowa football team is not penalized. You see Rutgers, they're hopping around all over there. The dif- the discipline nature of this football program year after year. And there's been some high and low watermarks, certainly, but just consistently year after year to be one of the least penalized teams in the country, a team that plays aggressively, a team that goes out there and is hard-nosed, and to do that just shows you the discipline that Kirk Ferentz coach teams are and another thing for this program to hang their hat on. Are they going to out-yardage you? Not very often, though it happened on Saturday. Are they going to out-after you? Not very often. But those are the little things. Those are those small, small things that they can do to put them in good position, and it showed up again on Saturday. When we come back here on Lockdown Hawkeyes, we will get into the numbers from Pro Football Focus. It looked good. Iowa over 400 yards of total offense for the first time in a long time, and one of the more fun victories in Iowa football in a long time. We'll talk about that as we continue. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets for your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee, Game Time will take the guesswork out of buying tickets. I love this part, seeing your view from your seat before you buy, know exactly where you're going to be, and buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. Game Time has deals on tickets right up until the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. It's a place to find last-minute seats. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. That will get you $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE with Game Time. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-C-O-L-L-E-G-E for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Trent Connor back with you again here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. As always, thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. As we roll through here, taking a look at the numbers. And this is something that we also like to do on a weekly basis as we go through and take a look at the numbers from Pro Football Focus. It gives you some kind of grading scale to see if what they say marries with what or I say when you're watching the football game. So we start it out on the offensive side of the football. And if there was ever a week to do it, it would certainly be this week after 400 yards of total offense and the excitement that was generated here. Start at the quarterback position. Deacon Hill grades out with a 77.2. So you're looking, if you're 70 or above, you're playing pretty well, right? By far and away, this is the best performance out of Deacon Hill as he completes 20 of 31 passes, 223 yards, and the touchdown. Had the long pass to Ortworth, the freshman tight end out of St. Louis, up the uh, left side, up the seam there. Just a beautiful throw. Threw it on time. Wide open. Didn't overthrow it. Like to see that. Or underthrow it. Made the play that you need to and gave him an ability to run after the catch. Something that has been a rarity. We see all three running backs in the football game. All of them played pretty well. All three of those guys played pretty well overall. Uh, Jazion Patterson is the highest graded at a 62.9. Caleb Johnson right behind him with the 62.5 and 59.9 for LaShawn Williams. Look, if they're getting impact from all three running backs, that's when I was at their best right now. None of them at this point 
is a bonafide number one. I thought Caleb Johnson was going to be that this year, but at times a little bit too much indecision. You know, he when he gets up to speed and he's coasting, he's as good as they got. But with an offensive line that's still working through some things, really banged up coming into this week, he cannot be the bell cow that's getting it, you know, 18, 20, 22 times a game. That's just not realistic for Caleb Johnson. Jazzy on Patterson running hard, putting that head down. He almost popped a couple of big plays in the football game. One, he ducked under a guy. He would have got just a little bit lower. He went and been off. And the other one, guy, I got him from the side or he had one man to beat, and he would have been off to the end zone. And let's hope Jazzy on Patterson can get another one of those big runs uh, coming up this season. Your top-rated wide receiver was Seth Anderson. Seth Anderson mentioned that big play he had up the left side uh, late in the first half. Want to see, continue to see more from him. I think there is certainly talent for Seth Anderson. And Caleb Brown, the second-ranked guy with a 62-grade Nico Ragaini. He comes in with a 60-and-a-half at third. Jacob Bostic went out there for a couple of snaps, and we also saw Caden Wetchin, who uh, got tripped up by the turf monster. One of the yard lines or hash marks got him uh, on that jet sweep. But uh, great work, obviously, out of Brown. And what we saw from him, 60 snaps in the football game. Let's hope that is something that continues. Mentioned Addison Estrenga, no surprise, a 79.9. He grades out as the highest of the skill position players. Johnny Pacuzzi's out there, the walk-on. He was making some plays in the, in the uh, run game what he was doing blocking, and then Zach Ortworth with the big play. He is a 68. Your top-rated offensive lineman. This is what I wanted to see, kind of how this one graded out. It was Jennings Dunker. Jennings Dunker a week ago against uh, Northwestern in Wrigley Field had his best game grading-wise in a Hawkeye uniform. That continued for him on Saturday. We're seeing a young guy. Didn't get a ton of reps early in his career. Was battling some injury. We saw him late last season. Wondering, and one of the questions we had during the offseason is we know he's a monster. Are we sure he's a tackle or at least a right tackle? You know, does he have the speed to do it? He's figuring it out. He's playing at a high level. Connor Colby, guy that's been banged up this year, he's playing so well. He's a guy we learned was not a tackle, but he's a dang good guard. And he grades out with a 72 point, 78.2 uh, grade overall. Kate Peeper. The true freshman got out there. He was in there late in the game. He was the third-ranked guy. Tyler Ellsbury behind him. Great to see Ellsbury. When he's been in there, he's been pretty good. Mason Richmond just gotten it out. He is playing with a very, very uh, tough-to-play-with injury right now with the bone bruise, but he's out there. Grades out at a 65. Logan Jones back with the 60. Rusty Feth and Nick DeYoung uh, wrap things up when we're looking at the offensive line grades. Let's jump over here. Again, the grades from Pro Football Focus and what we saw from the Hawkeyes, these ones, I think there are some more surprises in there. I think offensively, definitely kind of married up with what we saw, what we anticipated that we were going to see. All right, let's get over to the defensive side and go with the team that shut, throws a shutout, the defensive line, your top-rated one, the young dude, Aaron Graves, with a 67.6. I was surprised Logan Lee was a 66. I thought he was outstanding. His ability to occupy space, what he's occupying space in, also get one of those big paws out there and grab it a running back going by him. I thought Logan Lee certainly should have grayed out uh, higher than the 66th grade that he got from PFF. Joe Evans next with the 62, followed by Ethan Herkett with a 61, Deontay Craig with the 61 as well, and then Jeremiah Pittman down with a 58. YA Black a little bit lower than you anticipate. Surprised by these numbers in the defensive line. Yeah, they didn't get to the quarterback a ton. Didn't do those kind of things. That was not really what the game was. They slowed down what had been a very potent running attack throughout the football game. 
a surprise by those, by those numbers. Let's get in to linebacker. Your top-rated linebacker was Nick Jackson. How about him and what we've seen from Nick Jackson? For a guy that definitely looked unsure during the month of September, he has come on in a big-time way. An 81.1 grade for Nick Jackson in the football game against Rutgers. Jay Higgins next up. Another monster game from him with a 79.1. And then Kyler Fisher with a 60 uh, riding things out. Quinn Schulte had the interception. Nearly had another one earlier in the football game. Great to see him grade out at a high level and play at a high level. A forgotten guy. Now, if we hear Quinn Schulte's name a whole lot, usually not a good thing unless he's making plays like he did on Saturday. Cooper DeGene behind him with the 73, a 72. Excuse me, for Castro. Jamari, Jamari Harris had a 66. Look, Jamari Harris is going to be targeted a ton. Yet an All-American on the other side. Everybody in the conference, everybody in the country knows Cooper DeGene. So Jamari Harris is going to get a lot of balls coming his way. And he's going to be tipped from time to time. I mean, that's just the reality of most quarterbacks. But that dude also makes plays. I, I like Jamari Harris. And I, I'm very happy that he's been able to get healthy, come off the suspension, and go out there and do things. And then Xavier Wampa, who we've talked about in the past, he's playing wounded out there. He's still uh, out there gutting it out. And a 57 for him overall. Those are your numbers from Pro Football Focus. A look back as we do each and every week. We look back and start to look forward. A new number one for the first time in program history are the Iowa Hawkeye women going to be ranked number one. Plus the Iowa men on the basketball floor. They played on Friday night against Alabama State. What do we learn about the Hawkeyes? We'll talk about that. Little hoops talk. Soccer in the NCAA tournament. Field hockey as well. We got a ton going on. And we'll talk about it as we continue. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Well, as we know, you, I, we spend a lot of time together, right? Talking, we get fired up after the wins, frustrated after the losses, who starts, who sits. I'm thankful for the connection that we have. And today, I want to chat about something a little bit more personal. I just learned that you can get a one-year supply on ED medications. You realize that what that means, right? Bring on extended travel, something like the next natural disaster, Supply chain issues, we know those can happen at any time, and you are covered. You don't have to worry about whether or not you can refill generics for things like Viagra or Cialis, and this is possible because of our friends at Jace Medical. Go online right now, jacemedical.com, and receive your 12-month supply of your daily medication. Remember to use the promo code LOCKDOWN at checkout for a discount as well. A verified customer had this to say about Jace Medical. Quote, I am thankful for this service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half to have it. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year supply. I also ordered antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacies. I highly recommend, re recommend this for everyone, unquote. If you or someone you love would like to get peace of mind by having a year supply of any of your daily meds, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your purchase. That's jacemedical.com, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your purchase. Trent kind of back with you one final time on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. As always, thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. Well, it's possible, maybe even probable, the Iowa Hawkeyes are going to be ranked number one when the AP poll comes out on Monday. 
earlier in the week. Iowa ranked number three. We see LSU go down. And that was just delicious, right? To see that moron, Kim Mulkey. I mean, she's just such a despicable person. So easy to hate. And uh, plenty of hatred certainly coming from the state. And not just from Hawkeye fans. Cyclone fans from her days of Baylor, uh, they're not a real big fan of Kim Mulkey. I mean, that's how we unite, right? Hawkeyes and Cyclones with that and our hatred of Kim Mulkey. And they go down to Colorado, team that Iowa beat in the Sweet 16 last year. And then on Sunday, how about UConn going down with Paige Beckers and company against good NC State team, another team that Iowa saw last year. In fact, I was run off the floor with, uh, against him a year ago in the, what was that, the ACC Big Ten Challenge, if memory serves. But Iowa got the big win against Virginia Tech, obviously. Iowa gets a win to, on Sunday against UNI. They go up to the McLeod Center and just dominated uh, that game in a game that, again, they didn't play great by any means. But Caitlin Clark has a triple-double. Caitlin Clark also uh, becomes the program's all-time leading scorer, doing it in the third game of her senior year. Wow, that's an eye-opener there. Uh, we'll see how much higher this goes, and maybe she can track down the scoring record all-time in the NCAA. Remember, she has the COVID year if she wants to use it. I mean, that's down the line, but here's one thing you got to realize, too. So this Iowa team, what they got coming up next is Kansas State. Kansas State beat them last year down in Manhattan. They're all right. You know, they're pretty good Big 12 team. They're great. I think Iowa should be able to beat them. They'd be likely an 8-12 to 12 point favorite probably against Kansas State when the point spread comes out uh, for that one. That game will be played on Thursday night at 7.30. But you look at the rest of the schedule and what they have coming up. After that, Drake, Drake team that just beat Iowa State, they're good. Drake's going to be really good again uh, this season. And what after that? They go down to Florida. Not a overly difficult exempt tournament that they play there. What I'm getting at is this team could rip off one heck of a winning streak. They go to Iowa State on December 6th. That will be a big one. But Iowa State, uh, well, just mentioned they lost to Drake. It'll be a tough environment. How tough will the game be with no Emily Ryan? I, I don't know how tough that'll be if she's not back for the Twister sisters at that point in time. This team could rip off a huge, huge winning streak, though, to begin the season. Got the uh, the first Big Ten game that'll be played December 10th against Wisconsin. The Badgers are not very good. Cleveland State, Loyola, they get Minnesota at home early on. Michigan State, who's okay at Rutgers, at Purdue. Not overly daunting road trips there. Uh, you, If it plays out according to form, uh, the, the most difficult game, how about that, that I was going to face is not going to come until January 13th when Indiana comes to town. That's, that's where we are. That winning streak could happen. Now, anything could also happen. It's basketball. This team, as mentioned, lost last year to K-State. Easily could have lost to Drake. Those are not going to be easy games, but something to keep an eye on. Also something to keep an eye on. Coming up on Friday, the Iowa women's soccer team will be continuing their run in the NCAA tournament. Saw nearly 3,000 people out there at the Hawkeye Soccer Complex on Friday night in the NCAA tournament win against Bucknell. Had to go to a little extra time, but Iowa eventually got it done and uh, won that one 2-0 in OT. Uh, now they go on the road. So they'll be making their way down to Clemson, South Carolina. If they win, likely we'll see uh, Clemson in the uh, next round, but they will get Georgia in a 4-5 matchup. Iowa the number five seed, Georgia the number four. Clemson is the number one in their region. So something to be really, really fun. If you're a soccer fan, seeing the Hawkeyes, seeing the black and gold, whatever it is, and, and credit to everybody that was out there. Sadly, though, the field hockey team saw their season come to a close. Remember, they were ranked number one for a long portion of this season. Had some injuries that derailed them 
as the season went on. But another great year for that field hockey program. And now if they would have got the win against Louisville, kind of weird too. They've had to face Louisville a couple weeks back, then had to see him again in the NCAA tournament. I thought there were long stretches that Iowa certainly was a better team out there uh, watching it a little bit. But eventually in uh, the third, that's when Louisville uh, took the lead on a corner and ultimately proved to be the difference as they move on one and done and the season comes to a close for the field hockey program with that. Oh, men's basketball. Yeah. Tuesday, Creighton. Don't want to forget that. That is a huge one. A top 10 team. You're going over Omaha. There's going to be 16,000 of those people from the wrong side of the river over there. Hey, I don't have high expectations. Creighton's a really good team. Now they bring back three uh, players back from last year's team that made a big run. Really, really good. Greg McDermott's done an incredible job with that program. They invest. They spend money. They bring use that NIL to bring some players in. It's a talented team. And it's not that Iowa has to go over there and win. If Iowa goes over there and competes, or hangs around, has a chance, I think that will say even more about this team. Two games in, I've been impressed. More impressed than I would thought I would be at this point in time. We will see. We will talk more basketball coming up on tomorrow's program. Your team every day. That's what we do here on the Lockdown Network, and we got you covered on the Hawkeye side of things. Tuesday, we will preview Iowa Creighton. Biz is going to stop by later in the week as we get ready for our big annual tailgate tournament. We call it Floyd a Boner. Looking forward to that, named after one of our former roommates. Uh, we will also have LaShawn Daniels, the former Hawkeye running back. What he saw out of this offense, is this something that is sustainable after the outburst of 402 yards from the offense? Can it continue? We'll talk about that and a whole lot more with LaShawn. Also uh, talk a little bit about Craig Kirk. What's it like for a player? As we saw, the waterworks were out once again for Kirk Ferentz over the weekend. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Go Hawks.